Welcome to the new episode of the Giants Huddle Podcast, live from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. I am John Schmelke. It's all brought to you by AWS, proud sponsor of the New York Football Giants. I'm John Schmelke. We're joined by friend of the program, Jordan Reed. Big time over at ESPN now, man. Congratulations <laughs> on the new gig, man. Absolutely. I'm excited to be there. I work with great people, Ty, Mel, and Matt, who we just brought back this year too just working with great people i'm happy to be there and you know we're in the arena back in indianapolis so i'm just happy to be here yeah we had matt on at the senior bowl down in mobile great dude matt miller do you have to do they actually give you like pads to separate mcshay and kuiper so you can keep (laughs) them separated how does that work i just try to make sure to (laughs) stay in between both of them just keep them from ripping each other's heads off so but they're two great guys they're you know big guys in the industry guys I grew up looking at and watching so it's a pleasure to call them co-workers and colleagues now of course Jordan started out at the draft network and we've had him on before when he was with them and all your colleagues are blowing up man you got Ben over at the ringer yeah. Trevor's gone over to PFF yeah. it's, it's really good to see all you guys doing so well man I'm happy yeah, to see it's it. kind of like looking at the old photo of the 92 dream team <laughs> <laughs> with the draft network but yeah we we, we had great people. We had great camaraderie when we were there, and we had great chemistry. It's just so great to see everybody flourishing now. No, nah, really, it's good to see, and you guys do great work. So let's start here. Um, we're talking on Wednesday. This morning we had the quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight end address the media. Mm-hmm. I like to put eyes on these guys up close just so I can almost make physical comparisons, right? Like I know what an NFL wide receiver looks like. Mm-hmm. I know what an NFL you know, tight end looks like. Any takeaways from these pressers as much as what they said as, as to kind of how they present themselves physically? Yeah, well, I think with the quarterbacks, you always want to get a good feel for them, especially this is one of our few opportunities to actually get to know the person, ask them questions about their background, some things that happened throughout the year. And it's not just us. It's NFL teams, too, oh, yeah. especially with the situation and the times that we're living in right now. You don't get as many campus visits as we normally do. So. For GMs and some evaluators, this is their first opportunity to get to know the person. And I kind of compare it to speed dating with all of these meetings with these teams just because you're trying to meet with 60 guys in 15 minutes. So just imagine that trying to meet that many people in that little bit of time. So you want to make sure you get in all your questions. You try to understand the person a little bit more just because you're already going to have your grade for them as far as when they have their helmet on. But when they have their helmet off, what am I getting myself into? And especially for a quarterback, that's essential. Obviously, Being a good quarterback and being good on the field is most important, but you also have to be able to carry the weight of being the quarterback. And there's so much more responsibility than just being good at the position. Leader, media, guys rally behind you. Knowing how to deal with your teammates, right? Keeping, you know, wide receivers are tough to keep happy sometimes. Yeah, you know that, are. man. They are. And it's 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 just it's it's a really tough. It's really still the toughest position to scout, and I think in all sports. Yeah, and it's so important. And football is not, or excuse me, quarterback is not only the most important position in football, but in all of sports yeah. too. And mm-hmm. if you don't have any idea about football, you know what the quarterback is <laughs> yeah. and what it entails. So I think for the Giants, though, it's a little bit different, just because you have to add in the media part of it is because it's a big market you have to be able to have that type of personality and being able to soak all that stuff in and being able to handle just because with quarterbacks when you play good you're going to get criticized when you play bad you're going to get criticized too so that's the great thing about playing the position absolutely all right let's talk about some of the guys that we're going to keep an eye on here for the Giants at five and seven probably not in the market for a quarterback given that Jones is on Daniel Jones last year of his contract and frankly the quarterback landscape's not great this offseason right are you going to find a better option in the draft you going to find a better option in free agency probably not you give him a shot see what he is and then you make a decision on him after the year so who are some of the guys for the Giants at five and seven that you think realistically could be there that would be the best value meet need situation for them 
Well, I think for the Giants, they have to figure out a way to address the trenches, whether it's offensive or defensive line. They need some help at edge rusher. And then also there's some positions along the offensive line, specifically offensive tackle. It's opposite about, it's of, about four of them, yeah. Jordan, on the offensive line. <laughs> you know, Andrew Thomas came along really well oh, he had a nice last second season. Year. I yeah. thought, you know, it was a little bit rough as a rookie. It was a bit of an adjustment period for him, but I thought he settled in nicely last year. So you can pretty much pencil him in, obviously, as the left tackle of the future moving forward. But I think right tackle is a position that sure. they could address, whether it's Akim Aquanu from NC State. Uh, Evan Neal may possibly be there, depending on what happens with that. Crazier things have happened in the NFL draft. But also Charles Cross from Mississippi State. And the great thing for the Giants is that they have two picks inside of the top seven. So I think addressing those trenches is the way to go. How much of a drop for you personally in your evaluation is there between Neil and Aquanu, who most people seem to have as their one-two and maybe yeah. both gone in the top four, to Charles Cross at, as your number three? I don't think it's significant, honestly, just because I think those three are kind of in that top tier on okay. their own, and then you're getting to those second-tier guys, that, you know, Trevor Pennings and guys like that. So I think with those three, it kind of just depends on which one you may watch last. That may be the one that you like the most. So I think Joe Shane and his staff and his scouting uh, crew that he's brought over from Buffalo and everywhere else, I think they have a huge task on their end as far as picking that five and seven. But if I had to predict right now, I think they would take one of those tackles, mm -hmm. whoever's left. Uh, I think two of those guys are going to go inside the top four, so they may have uh, the pick of that last one. So it'll be interesting to watch. And it's also a matter of what you prioritize too, right? Like if yeah. you want that grind it, move people tackle, you're probably going to take a quantity, right? Yeah. If you want the gigantic guy that can do a little bit of everything, you want Evan Neal. Yeah. If you want the pass protector, then you're going to pick Charles Cross. Yeah, so it's just depending on the type of flavor that you like and the type of offense that you're going to run. So we'll see. I think Evan Neal is probably going to be the number one overall pick. That's just my prediction as of uh, to Wednesday, March 2nd right now. So there, there's some things that could go into play with that. We're not going to see him at the Combine, unfortunately. He's only doing interviews here. so Which is surprising, um, right? Yeah, it is. Everyone kind of thought he was yeah. going to blow it up yeah. when he did work out. Yeah, yeah. And it's a big opportunity for Akim Aquanu and then also Charles Cross, too. Charles Cross is supposed to do everything except the bench press, from what I've heard. Okay, that's good. So, yeah, we'll get to see him in some agilities and um, some other events that he'll be participating in. So being able to see those two guys, it's a huge opportunity for them with Neil not doing anything. All right, you mentioned Edge also a need for the Giants. No question. Aiden Hutchinson, there's no way he's getting past the lines at two, right? Yeah, I mean, if he does, the the Texans will take yeah, him at right, three, right. so I don't oh, think he you. gets outside yeah, of three. Yeah, I, 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 th I think when he goes for his 30 visit, Dan Campbell will kind of yeah. you know lock him in the basement in Detroit and not let yeah. him leave. Um, so the next guy then, who, by the way, if you talk to people five months ago, thought he was the first guy, and mm -hmm. that's Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon. People seem to be all over the place on him. You know, once the season ends, I try to catch up on these guys. And the way I try to get a feel for them, I watch all their positive plays. I want to see what, what does this player do well. Mm -hmm. And you watch Kayvon Thibodeau, you watch all his really good plays, you're like, holy cow, this guy's fantastic. But if you watch full games and you watch him from game to game, then I think you start seeing some of the inconsistencies, right? So yeah. from what you've seen and from people you've talked to, what are some of the concerns with Thibodeau that have knocked him kind of out of that sure thing, top three pick type of area? Well, it kind of has a little bit of Jadavion Clowney in him. And if you remember when Clowney was coming out, he had a lot of flash plays. But those plays in between are the ones that you really worry about. Right. Um, I think it's a little bit overblown as far as his lack of effort and things like that. I didn't really see that on tape. He's been able to create constant pressure. I mean, you can go watch the Cal game. I think that's a that great. Fantastic. Yeah, man. he had like 11 pressures in the second half alone in that one. But the big worry is, are you going to get that type of player consistently? 
And I think that's where him and Aiden Hutchinson differentiate a little bit. With Hutchinson, you know he's going to be all out. He's all a safer player, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. it, it, the floor is a little bit higher with him just because he's the type of player that's going to work hard. You know he's not going to be a complete bust just because of how hard he works on every single play. But the upside with Kayvon Thibodeau is something that I think outweighs Hutchinson, but it's just a matter of is he eventually going to get there. He's just scratching the surface of what I like to call learning how to out-athlete people right now. So mm -hmm. he's just a superior athlete. That's how he's been able to win. But I thought last year he was able to string some moves together and show some sort of a plan as a pass rusher, but it just wasn't as consistent as you would like. So what it comes down to is do you want to bet on the upside with Thibodeau or do right. you want to go with the higher floor player in Hutchinson? Yeah, what impressed me about Thibodeau, like you watch Hutchinson, all of his wins – almost look the same yeah. right he goes in, he's great with his hands goes in with two hands wins with power wins with effort wins with his hand fighting you watch Thibodeau though you see him win with power you mm -hmm. see him run with bull rush you see him run with you see him do that old JPP move where it's just a yeah. long arm out and he pushes the guy back and you see him win off the edge you know, he's not like Chase Young flexible but he's explosive enough yeah. to win on the edge yeah. you watch all of Hutchinson's sacks he doesn't win with edge and bend with speed like once. And this is a guy with a ton of production. Right. So I, I do think it's interesting that NFL teams that usually value that elite bend and athleticism off the edge seem to be leaning towards the guy that wins more with technique and power. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the thing with Hutchison is that what he does is he'll run hard up the field and then he'll cross back across the face right. of offensive tackles. That's been a move that's been very – uh, prevalent for him and it's been consistent for him too so it's understandable why he continues to go back to it but that game against Georgia I think they sat inside on him a lot and they watched a lot of film on him too Jamar Sawyer had a really good game against him just because he sat hard inside he the knew power stuff yeah didn't he, work. it didn't work so I think that's the big worry about Hutchinson if there was one criticism criticism of him excuse me was just he needs to add a little bit more rep moves to his repertoire right now, which is great. I mean, it's fine. You can work with that just because you can always add more moves. It's hard to instill or coach some of those moves in two guys, but if you already have a base or a surface of what you can build on, that foundation, I think that's what's so intriguing about Hutchinson. What do you think of the depth at the offensive line and edge classes in, in, in this in this year, Jordan? If you don't get one of those guys at five or seven, yeah. are you finding good value round two, round three? Yeah, I think this offensive tackle group is really loaded, and it's not just the top part in that first tier with Aquanu, Neal, and then also Cross. I think there's some other guys in that second tier. I mentioned Trevor Penning a little bit earlier, but there's some down-the-line developmental guys in that fourth, fifth, or even sixth round, seventh round, if you want to dive that deep into it. Do you find that this is a much deeper class because of the super seniors and all that stuff? Yeah, I think so. And then with COVID, you have some guys that really were hesitant with coming out, so the numbers are a little bit up than what we have seen in years past. Do you like the corners here as potential picks of 5%? Are, are they good enough to warrant that type of pick? Oh, uh, that's a really good question. I, I think they are just because of how important the position is. And we still don't know what's going to happen with James Bradbury. There's been some whispers about that. So you may need a corner. Sure. Um, Stingley, unfortunately, we weren't, we're not able to see him perform at the combine on my sauce gardener. I got an opportunity to see him live in person against ECU. And he was phenomenal in that game. Every bit of six foot two and a half. No one even gonna, throws yeah, at the cat. No one even throws at him at all. <laughs> so whenever you can add a shutdown corner like that, you have to do it. Stingley, how do you sort yeah. him out 
you know, I went back and I watched his freshman tape, and if he played like he did as a freshman the last two years, for me, he's the first pick in the draft. Like, yeah. he was that good. But he wasn't that guy the last two years. So how do you sort that out? How do you think NFL teams are going to sort that it's out? It's tough. It really depends on the medicals with him, and obviously we don't have any access to that. There's going to be 32 different opinions on him just because of 32 different team doctors. But with him, your best ability is your availability. You hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of coaches and evaluators may ding him on that just because he hasn't been healthy. He's missed 10 games over the past two years, which is a lot. Excuse me, 15 games over the past yeah. two years, which is a ton. So I think with him, while the talent is great, if you're not available to be on the field, you just don't have any value. How do you sort out that next group of pass rushers after Thibodeau and Hutchinson, you know, Karloftis, yeah. you know, Walker? You know, they're not your traditional 255-pound edge guys. Like, they, you know, Walker almost played as an interior defensive lineman at Georgia, and Karloftis is 270 pounds. The guy doesn't look like a bendy edge. So, And then you have Ajabo, who's the opposite, right? One-year one there, not a lot of production, but he does have all that bend and athleticism and all that stuff. So how do you sort through that next group? Is anyone else in that group for you? There's so many different shapes and sizes, John. I think that's what makes this group so intriguing. You have a Jabo who's more of your strictly a pass rusher mm-hmm. right now that does struggle a little bit as far as holding at the point of attack against the run. You have Trayvon Walker, who he's probably one of the more polarizing players in this entire class just because at Georgia they just didn't let him rush the passer or play from a wide technique. Like you, he was, like he's never lined up outside yeah, the offensive tackle. Yeah, yeah but I mean you're gonna see he's gonna test off the. He's going to be a phenomenal tester. Like, That's I think what people he's are telling some, me, too. Yeah, he's going to have some freaky-type numbers that it's going to be hard for him to exit outside of the top 15. So, And then with Karloftis, everybody wants to see the agilities with him. We know he can win with power. power. He can bull rush and run sure. through guys. But the agilities, how good can he turn and bend the corner? He's getting some Trey Hendrickson-type of comparisons, mm. So, which I see. I see that translating really well. High effort power yeah, guy. Yeah, high right? effort. Yeah, yeah. But you just worry about He didn't turn into the player he was until like two years ago. So I think with Karloff, this is just the agilities. That's really what's going to be uh, hinging on this draft stock right now. How about now. the top of the second round, the Boye Mafes, yeah. the uh, Kingsley Enigbares, you know, um, I'm trying to think, the San Diego State guy I know a lot of people really yeah, like. Yeah, Cameron Thomas. Thank you, Cameron yeah. Thomas. How about that next group, You have the uh, Leo uh, Leal from Texas A&M? Yeah. I think he may, might be a three technique mm-hmm. on passing downs. How do you sort through that next group again? It's just a lot of different flavors, right? And once again, it's tough. It just depends on your scheme. You have DeMarvin yeah. Leal, who's more of your, I think he's probably going to have to transition inside just because yeah. he doesn't bend overly great. And he just kind of played that position out of necessity at Texas A&M. And he was a player that was mocked inside the top 20 coming into the year even higher but didn't have that big year like everybody thought he was going to have after having a really good year in 2020. So there's some mixed opinions on if he can be an edge guy in a 3-4 or if he can slide inside and play three technique in a 4-3 defense. So he's really an interesting one. Cam Thomas, as you mentioned, from San Diego State, was more of a high effort type of guy. He doesn't Mm -hmm. really have a whole bunch of bend either, but wins with refined technique and effort right now. And then there's some plenty of others, too, that I like. D'Angelo Malone from Western Kentucky. He was really good. He was really good good at Mobile. He he was really good there. I like him a lot. Boy Mafe, who we see in this stock has skyrocketed after having the great week of practice yeah. and then having two sacks in the senior bowl game. The kid from Penn State too, right? Uh, yeah, Arnold Ebiketti. Ebiketti, yeah. Who, who's really raw right now, but you see the flashes of, I think from day one, he's going to be a really good pass rusher, but it's just a matter of him improving as far as holding up and run defense at the point of attack. I don't see the Giants using a pick at five or seven on a wide receiver, but as you know now, Jordan, every year there's yeah. like 12 wide receivers that are going to be good NFL starters. So who are the guys that you particularly like 
that could be a day two pick, whether top of the second round or third round, that you think maybe their value isn't as isn't as high as it should be based on your evaluation? So there's two guys I like right now as far as day two. The first one is George Pickens from Georgia. I like him a lot. He had a torn ACL well, he's in March. He's a big kid too, man. Yeah, just listening to him talk and how he battled back from that injury. Only played in four games, I believe it was last year. He came back to the Georgia Tech game, which was the last week of the season. But he played a big part in that national title run. And with Pickens, he's a, he's a little bit of a difficult projection just because they had him running some different type of routes, and they really only threw the ball to him down the field. But I think there's a lot more meat on that bone with him, and I think he's just scratching the surface. will only be 21 years old. He actually turns 21 on Friday. So a really, really young prospect. And the other is Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama. Well, I liked him I, I in was, Mobile, Yeah, I, I was really Ooh. impressed. He was much better than what I saw on tape as far as, as far as excuse me, of explosiveness, strong hands. And we know he has the production to back it up. He was the – the go-to option in that offense. We haven't mentioned this guy in any of our shows yet, but I'll ask you first. How about Sky Moore? Yeah. I watched him yeah. for a little bit at the podium today. What a nice, humble, down – I ran into him backstage. just walking around. Oh, excuse me, sorry to meet again. You're I'm sorry. I'm like, you are like the nicest kid I've ever yeah. met. And then you watch his tape. He's like, he just is open all the time. Yeah, that's the thing about him is he just understands how to get open. He's not an overly fast guy down the field, but – He's just constantly winning rep after rep after rep. Really, really good at the line of scrimmage. I think he's one of the better receivers as far as getting off a of press. Really strong hands, too. So he does wear that number 24 jersey, so it's not easy. For, or it is easy, excuse me, for him to stand out on the perimeter in that number. But he put up crazy numbers at Western Michigan. We've seen the receivers that they have produced in years past. How about the tight end class? I don't think that's a move in the second round even, maybe late third or early fourth. But I feel like there's just so many of these yeah. guys that can probably give you a little bit of everything in the running game and the pass game. Who are the guys you like from that kind of early fourth, late third group? Yeah, so there's a bit of a cluster, I think, of day two and day three type of guys. Jalen Weidermeyer from Texas A&M, who's kind of a mixture of an inline guy. You can flex him out. Jimbo Fisher did a really good job of utilizing him in the red zone. I think over 80% of his touchdowns came inside the 20-yard line. So if you're looking for that big go up and get it, type of tight end I think it can be that he also blocked a lot yeah yeah he did he improved a lot over his past two years as a blocker Jeremy Ruckert from Ohio State who's caught some steam here lately too and Trey McBride from Colorado State who I think is the best after the catch tight end outside Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina who's more of your traditional F that you can flex out as a receiver Uh, my colleague who's not here Paul Dottino would be very upset if I didn't ask you about Ferguson the tight end at a tight end he loves him give us a little rundown on Ferguson yeah I like Ferguson he I think he improved tremendously as a blocker last year go watch him against Michigan I thought he competed a lot with David Ajabo and then also Aiden Hutchinson I think he's an underrated receiver too and they didn't use him as far as a lot in the passing game but they didn't let him run a lot of routes either too he's one of those guys I think has a lot more left in the tank as far as a pass catching guy we haven't mentioned linebackers yet on our programs here at the combine Lloyd and um the Kobe Dean yeah. seem to be the first two guys off the board are they top 10 players? Are they top 15 players? You know, I look at the Kobe Dean, you watch his tape. The dude is a missile, right? Like, yeah. he diagnoses quickly, he goes downhill, makes plays, blitzes, gets after running backs. He's like 220 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you think he can transition and be a good cover guy, which is what he's going to have to do in the NFL? How do you see the kind of the top of the linebacker class and, and kind of what comes after that? He's one of those guys you just got to trust the tape just because he's going to come in at probably 5'11 and a half, 225 pounds. He's going to be one of those undersized guys. And if you let the measurable sway you from the tape, I think you're doing him a disservice just because – I mean, he's a mechanical engineer. That's the type of guy that you want. Is he a mechanical engineer? He's a mechanical engineer major. Mechanical engineer major at Georgia. (laughs) So, you know, he's going to come in with supreme smarts. And just think about all the players that they had on that defense last year. 
he was the nucleus of it all outside of Jordan Davis. He was the one that made the calls on the defense and relayed the messages and the calls to everybody. So that's the type of player that you want in the middle. Now with him, he's never going to be one of those guys that is an expertise at shedding blocks and all this other stuff just because right. he has a small frame. But he's really good at moving around and working around, and he gives you a lot of value as far as a blitzer too. I think that's an underrated part about his game. And I think the best linebackers in the NFL are the ones that make plays behind the line of scrimmage Correct. as far as tackles for loss. And I think from day one, he brings that. Now, Lloyd's a converted safety, so he he's is. a little bit of a different guy, right? Yeah, he is. And he's a really interesting one, more of your athletic, long-rangey type of players. Six foot three, 235 pounds around that range. He's another one that they played at defensive end quite a bit, too. So you're going to get some plays behind the line of scrimmage with him. Really rangy in pass coverage, too. Has a really good feel of understanding coverages and routes and then what's going on entering and exiting his zones, too. And that comes from his days as a safety, being able to see the entire picture in front of him as far as the first and the second levels. All right, two more questions for you broad is this going to be a deal where the Giants are not going to be able to find a trade target if they want to move out of five or seven is this going to be one of those years which just because of the quarterback class it's going to be impossible I will say this if they do make a trade I think it's at five as opposed to seven just because with the Panthers at six yeah they're a QB needy team so if you want to get the first quarterback on your board you probably want to do five as opposed to seven assuming that the Panthers are going to take a quarterback okay interesting now you can take one of two ways. Give me your deep sleeper in this draft. You're like pet cat, the guy that you love and maybe not a lot of other people do. And, and just give me an idea of, you know, who some of those guys are really late that you think teams are sleeping on. Yeah, so there's one from Fayetteville State University, and he actually was at the Senior Bowl. His name is Joshua corner, Williams. Right? Yeah, yeah, Joshua Williams. He was awesome at the Senior Bowl. And just getting to know Josh a little bit throughout the process, I wrote a story on him a couple of weeks ago. It was He's a player that has a track background, really athletic. I think he came in at about six foot two, um, just over two hundred pounds, and I think you probably can get him about the fourth or the fifth round, depending on how he tests. But it's good measure. Yeah, right he, he's one player that I think could come in right away. That could be a depth filler initially early on. He's going to come in. He's going to play every special teams. Uh, I think he can probably come in and be your third or your fourth corner that eventually turns into your number two. Awesome, Jordan. And I, I've been asking everybody, give me your way too early. I'm not going to hold you to it. Predictions for the Giants at five and seven. So I'm going to go with who you put me on the spot um, at five. I think they're going to go with I'm going to say I'm going to go with Kim McQuandu. Okay. From, Very from nice. NC State. That'll make Giant fans yeah, happy. Yeah, I think they'll go him at five. And then at seven, I'm going to go with hmm, I'm just say Devin Lloyd from Utah. Ooh, the linebacker. All right, so that yeah. is now I've asked three people this question. We have five different names so okay, far. Okay, good. Equanu's the only one that you, you and Tony Pauline repeated Equanu for okay. me. So you guys are on the same page. Jordan, this is fun, man. Always Absolutely. great to see you, dude. Thanks as and always. congratulations again on the Thank new you. gig. Thank Check you. him out, ESPN.com. All his draft content is there. Anywhere else that they can find your stuff, Jordan? Yeah, so just, e- just ESPN.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Jordan underscore Reed. That's R-E-I-D. One of the best draft guys in the business, Jordan Reed. Make sure you check him out. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Giants Huddle Podcast, all brought to you by AWS, proud sponsor of the New York Football Giants, Amazon Web Services. Thank you for being with us. And again, you can find the Giants Huddle Podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms, the Giants mobile app, and at giants.com slash podcast. We'll see you next time as we continue with coverage here from Indianapolis at the NFL Combine.